You got your Bibles? Awesome. Open up to Jude. Continue our series on postcards. It was a great time in Puerto Rico. And as Brian said, it is phenomenal. And what Deanna said as well as in, in Caitlin, it is phenomenal to see what a team comes together and says, hey, we got a project before us. Let's do it. And it is truly the body of Christ working together and, and everybody using their skills and even skills you didn't know you had. Um, you find them and you find muscles to move things that you didn't think you could move. And we're able to do that. So this morning we'll continue our series in Jude or not in Jude, our postcard series, but we will be in Jude. And um, so have your Bibles. One of the things on the trip was we did, after all of the hard work and stuff, we did take a day or so and uh, just kind of chilled on the beach. Some of the top ten most beautiful beaches are in Vieques. And so we found one of them. And uh, one of the things that happened on that beach was we had a rainstorm that came out of nowhere and attacked us. And uh, so we're running, I mean, along the beach trying to get all of our stuff. And I had put my backpack out there with my Bible in it. And uh, whenever I got back to the room and I opened it up, it was now not just a personal Bible, but it was a family Bible. The water had made it grow. It expanded and all that. And so I have a new Bible. And so I've been teaching out of the New Living Translation. But today I'm going to be teaching out of the uh, Christian Standard Bible, the CSB version. So if it looks a little different, sounds a little different, that's why. But as you know, it's always on the screen, and, uh, but I know some of you like to follow along in your own Bible. So Jude, it's right before Revelation. So if you go to your Bible, go all the way to the back where there's those wonderful maps, follow those maps, go into through some of the little things, and then get to Revelation and flip there, and then get to Jude, and Jude is right there. So this is our last book of the postcard series, these little short stories that authors have written in the New Testament, and we usually pass over them. But this summer, I was like, let's dig into these a little bit and see what these guys have to offer us and what they need to teach for us. Because obviously it's in the Bible for a reason, so let's see what they're there. So the book of Jude is written by Jude. Yeah, I know we're real creative in our Bible naming book thing. So Jude wrote it, and Jude is the half-brother to Jesus. So he's the brother of James. He's the half-brother because God the Father is his father, Jesus' his father. So they're a half-brother. So Jude wrote this. He's a early church leader, pastor in the early church. And so he gets to the point, he's writing this letter. And as you will read here in just a second, one of the things that he says is, I'm writing to you to encourage you in your salvation, that all these people are coming to know Christ and they're excited about it. And he wants to encourage them and, and applaud them and talk about what it means to know Christ and to grow in their salvation. So he's spending time doing that. He wants to spend time doing that. However, there's something that has come up. There's a crisis that is happening in the early church. And because of that crisis, he needs to not talk about that, but to talk about the crisis. And the crisis is false teaching or godless men or godless teachers that have gained trust somehow or another, stealthily gained trust and have worked their way into the church and are teaching Sunday school classes or have some influence and some power and the ability to teach and bring influence. And so these godless men, these false teachers are beginning to share and teach something. And one of the, the main thing that they're teaching was a prominent false teaching in the early church, and this is called Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism was something that Paul taught about and taught against, and John the Apostle taught against it, and here Jude is teaching against it in a quick way, and he's teaching us to recognize the characteristics of a false teacher. Now, one of the things about this Gnosticism thing, or a couple of things to know, is that in Gnosticism, number one, is that they denied the deity of Jesus Christ. 
so that they did not believe that the person of Jesus was fully God. And that the reason that they believe that is because they believe that the flesh, the flesh that we live in, is evil. So a holy God would not take residence and incarnate evil flesh. And so, therefore, if Jesus could not be God because he would not take part in the evil of the flesh. But also as a part of that, they also taught that if the spirit that lives within inside of you is holy, but the flesh is evil and the flesh is weak, therefore they also taught that because of that, grace gives us the license to sin and do whatever we want to do with our body because it's evil and that's what you should be doing, but the spirit won't be harmed in any way. And as we know, as we studied scripture, we know that that is completely not true, that the flesh is, yes, the flesh is weak because we're human, but the flesh is not evil. God created man and he said man is good. And so that means the flesh, all about man is good. It's, it's who we are. It's where we're at. So whenever God became a part of mankind, incarnated, became flesh, he became 100% God and 100% man. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2 and in other places. So he's fully man and fully God at the same time. And so here we are. We have this. And so Jude is teaching against that. And as he's teaching against it, he tells us some things about the characteristics of false teachers. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me, and I'll stop and talk about a few things. And if you know, I'm talking a little fast so I can get you out because I know that you have lunch plans. Okay? All right, so here we go. Jude only has one chapter, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called... Loved by God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about salvation we share, I find it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people, some of your translations may say godless men or false teachers, for some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of God into sensuality because of the flesh and denying Jesus Christ, our only master and our Lord. Now, the three characteristics that he talks about as far as these false teachers, the first characteristic is that they have a rebellious spirit. So we'll see that in the first in the next few verses that the teachers, false teachers have a rebellious spirit. So in verse five, Now, I want to remind you that although I came to know all these things once and for all, and then he gives us some descriptions of past rebellious spirits to describe their spirit, that all Jesus saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. So he's reminding the people of, hey, do you remember in our history that the Israelites were brought out of Egypt and they came to the precipice and the place of the promised land, and they didn't believe that God provide, could provide for them. And so instead of that, they rebelled against the truth that God could provide, and so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That's rebellious spirit in them. And then the second one, the second rebellious spirit, in verse 6, and the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling. 
Now, these are the angels that followed Satan, that followed the devil. And so what we understand is that there was a time when all of heaven was in harmony together. And so all the angels, all of the creation was in harmony. But at some point, one of the angels decided, hey, I would like to be like God. I would like people to worship me. I would like people to give attention to me. And so the devil, Satan, then pulled people with him and said, come with me. We need to rebel against this God, God the Father, and so they've been separated. And so again, that spirit of rebellion of it's about me and what I want and people giving to me. And then the the next thing, verse 7, like Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns that committed sexual immorality and perversions and served as an example by undergoing the punishment of the eternal fire. So here again, They're looking for themselves. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah is Abram went to Sodom and Gomorrah and pulled his family out because of the the pervasiveness of immorality. And whenever he pulled them out, literally a fire rained down. And so historians have sometimes questioned this, but actually recently we have found archaeological evidence that something they found what they believe is Sodom and Gomorrah and that some fiery mass came from somewhere and blew this place up, and they have the archaeological evidence, which is really, really cool to know about. So there's a story of this happening. And so he's calling back, and he's saying, listen, these godless men, these false teachers, have this rebellious spirit. They don't trust God. They think that they're better than God. They think they want this life, everything to be about them and them alone. So then the second thing, not only the selfish or rebellious spirit, The second thing is that they have a selfish spirit. Look down at verse 11. Woe to them, and he's talking about them because they defile their flesh and reject authority. Woe is them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Now Cain was the son of Adam and Eve, and Cain killed his brother out of revenge. Because he didn't like what God said. God applauded his brother, and he didn't like that. So he took out his brother, he killed his brother. So this vengeful spirit, a selfish spirit. And the second thing he says is, I've plunged into Balaam's error. And Balaam was a preacher who would preach whatever you wanted him to preach if you paid him enough. So in other words, I'm open to, if you give me enough money, if you will donate enough to me, I will preach your message and get your word out. And so here this Jude is saying, listen, there are preachers that will preach so that they can get what they, they're all about, their motive is, their movement is all about money so they can get more money, and they'll preach whatever they need to preach to get money. Then also this selfish spirit is that they perished in Korah's rebellion, that there was a group that rebelled against God, and so in that, that they were again, they were selfish, and they wanted what they wanted when they wanted. And then finally, if you look at verse 12, he he basically says, listen, there's even preachers among you that after you have the Lord's Supper and after you have the communion and you gather together to have what they call the love feast, they would kind of what we call potluck suppers. You all know what those are, right? And so the potluck suppers are going on. And guess who was the first one in line at the potluck supper? The pastor. Right? So the offering plate is there. Here's the picture. Is the offering's been taken and taken up. And so the offering plate is there in front. And so the pastor is the first one in line and he takes the offering plate and he shoves it all in his pockets. And then he goes through the food line and he's taking all the food and he's consuming it for himself, not worrying about those in his community that actually may need to eat that. That may be the only meal they get. And so again, he's looking out for himself and his own concerns. 
And so these false teachers, these godless teachers, are ones that they have a rebellious spirit and that they, they rebel against any authority, and so they don't submit themselves. And so, again, if God is not God, if Jesus is not God, then they're rebelling against that. And then also that they have this selfish spirit that I'm going to do whatever I can do that I've worked myself into a position of authority and teaching so that I can stuff my pockets and make my life better and have no worries or concerns about anyone in my congregation or anyone in my community, which is exactly opposite of the gospel which is exactly opposite of what happens whenever we receive Christ. The transformation of our heart is is that it's not about us anymore. And as we grow in our faith, more and more we realize that it's not about me, but it's about everyone else, so that there could be one more who could know the good news of Jesus Christ. And so these godless men, because of their rebellious spirit, because of their selfish spirit, they are fruitless ministry. Look at verses 13 and following. They didn't produce fruit. He describes it in some interesting illustrations. He says, They're shepherds who look only after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by the wind. So they look like they're going to be doing something. They're the clouds that come in and you think, man, that's going to be a rainstorm. But then they pass by and so they don't produce any fruit. There are also trees in late autumn that are fruitless, that are twice dead and uprooted. So not only do they not produce fruit the first time, but in the autumn they actually die and they they come uproot, and so they will never produce fruit. And so false teachers that here the wind comes, and you think there's going to be rain, and there's no rain, and you think there's going to be fruit, and there's never any fruit. Then also in verse, uh, the next verse, verse 13, there are wild ways of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds that they want attention, and they make noise. Then also their wandering stars. Stars don't wander. Stars stay in place and everything else moves around it, but the wandering stars are always trying to draw attention to themselves. And there's a blackness out of darkness that's reserved for them forever. So these false teachers are teachers that are selfish, they have a rebellious spirit, and they have a fruitless ministry. And what that means is that there are churches that are full of people, but lives aren't being transformed. That maybe behavior modification is happening and maybe some things seemingly on the outside that stuff is good, but lives aren't being transformed, that people aren't truly coming to know Jesus and they're not being baptized and they're not seeing that there's not fruit from their own life, from the teaching and the ministries of these leaders and these pastors, that their motivation is not for the congregation to know Jesus more deeply and more intimately because that's not their motivation. Their motivation is, is what can I gain and what can I get? from being in this position. So my challenge for us is, listen, this is more prevalent today than ever before. There are those, there are men and women that are teaching, and they're teaching things that sound slightly true, but are completely false. And so what we have to do is what Jude tells us is that we have to build up a defense to be able to know that. And the first thing that he tells us to build up a defense is at the end of the passage there. He says to build up your holy faith. And what that means for us is we need to be in places like this. We need to come to worship. We need to get into a life group. We need to go on mission trips. We need to do things and be in a community together that builds up our faith and strengthens our faith because we will be tempted. We will hear false things, and we need to be in community that helps us discern the truth. He also tells us that we need to pray in the Spirit. 
Because whenever you came to Jesus, when you said yes to him, this miraculous thing happened that we can't explain, and that is that the God through the Holy Spirit has taken residence with inside of us. And so that as followers of Jesus, in these moments that we communicate, in these moments that we pray and we're talking, we're communicating directly with God. You are a priest, priesthood of the believer. And so you're communicating to God and you're allowing him to speak to you and you're beginning over time to discern his voice. So that in the midst of the life's distractions and the busyness and the chaos, the more that we listen and sit and listen to the God's voice, the easier it is for us to hear it over all the other distractions. Because there's going to come a time when you're headed in a direction and it's maybe the false direction. You may be getting false information. You may have a wrong map and you're going in the wrong direction. And all of a sudden the spirit within inside of you says, danger, danger, caution, don't go this way. Something doesn't feel right. Someone said that's Jiminy Cricket. We're going to say that that's the spirit of God saying to you, stop. And so, but because we're so impatient, many times we just keep going when what we need to do is pull off to the side of the lane, the super highway of life that we're on, pull off and push, recalibrate the map, and just sit and wait till the Spirit says, now this is the direction you should be going. To listen to the Spirit and let that Spirit speak to you. Because that is how, over time, we begin to know the difference between truth and counterfeit. And counterfeit looks very similar to the truth. And then the only way that many times that we can discern it is to sit and to listen and to wait and to let the discernment take place. So build up your faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. Then he also tells us to be in, to keep yourselves in the love of God. So in other words, stay in community together, a long obedience in the same direction. Now, how does we know that we love God is by the way that we obey that as we obey God, that we're showing that we love him, as it tells us, hey, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that the way that we do that is by the way that we love our neighbor. A long obedience in the same direction. Baby steps, step after step after step in the same direction, being obedient. And that that's a part of us defending against false teachers and godless truths. False truths are going to be presented before us. So here's what I want you to do this morning is I want you to take out your little sheet and write these things down. The first thing that I want you to get is this. Memorize Psalm 25.5. That's one of your things as we think about how do I know the voice of God. One of the ways that you've got to do that is this has got to marinate in your soul. The truth of God's word has got to marinate in your soul. And so Psalm 25.5 says this. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not very patient sometimes, and I want to move ahead. And so I'm like, God, join my agenda. Here we go. You ever anybody y'all feel like that? Okay, good. And so this whole, there's times that we have to pull off the superhighway of life and literally sit in the lane and recalibrate the maps and just sit and wait and wait and wait. And, and naturally, we're like, God, this is the time. I'm ready. We got to get going. We got stuff to do, and I'm inviting you in. And God's saying, stop, pull off on the lane, and let me recalibrate. Because what I've learned is, and I have to keep learning it, is that he shows up exactly on time when I need him. If I need to be rescued, if I need the truth, if I need whatever, he's always on time. He's never early. He's never late. He's actually always on time. And so there may be times that we have to wait all day. 
That's hard. I mean, think about a toddler like waiting all day, like sitting in time out all day. You ever feel like that? But it's worth it to make sure that we discern the voice of God and take the steps that he's asked us to do, to listen. This next thing I want to ask you is this, is who are you hearing? What are you putting in? What are you bringing in? And to begin to think about discerning the things that you ingest and you take in into your life. The people that you listen to, whether it's a podcast, preachers, teachers, whatever. The books you read, all those different things. All those things influence and shape your mind and your heart and your soul. And so discern who you're listening to. Because I can guarantee you there are some very popular books, some very popular teachers that are teaching stuff that is not true. It may sound a little bit true, but a half-truth is still a full lie. And so be discerning of those things and ask those questions. Who should I be listening to? How can I make sure that I'm listening to things that will keep pushing me and driving me and guiding me in the right direction? And then finally, just ask this question of how are you doing? Are you Where are you at in your journey? How are you doing in your faith and in your walk? And are you easily pushed one way or the other? Or do you have a solid foundation in your salvation with Jesus Christ? School is about to start. Summer is going to kind of kick in and life kind of kicks in and it's going to get even busier again. And it's, I don't know how that happens, but it just kind of just starts rolling downhill. How are you doing? Begin to make some of those decisions now to set the pace and set the agenda. To say, listen, I want to be in community. I want to be building up my faith. I want to be in a life group. I want to be whatever. I want to find a place to serve. I want to start helping out Carrie. I want to start meeting people and greeting or whatever it is. Find a place to get in a community to be able to find some friends and some people that you can do life with. Sometimes we just don't have someone to even ask because we're so busy doing life and we wake up and we're alone and we're not in community together. So there's false teachers, a rebellious spirit, a selfish spirit, and they're all about themselves, but we can defend if we're in community together, spending time on our own personal time, but also in community, loving and serving and watching out for each other. There is hope. As a matter of fact, Jude closes out the book and he basically says, my God is so big that these false teachers can take over, but my God is so big that I know that there's still hope that the truth will win out. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these short books, for these postcards, for the things that you've taught us over the last few weeks. I pray that um, we will stop on the highway of life this week and that we will just allow you to recalibrate our maps, recalibrate our direction. Father, that you will give us ears to hear. Father, that we will have ears that discern and know your voice distinctly from all the other voices, all the other distractions, we will know clearly your voice through all of that. For, Lord, I know the desires of the hearts of these here is their desires to bring you honor, to bring you glory, to bring you fame, and to love you well and to live well and to not be distracted and to not be led astray. Father, may we listen for the truth. That's before us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.